What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, welcome in to What's the Spread? It is finally that time, Mr. Brad Thomas. We're talking about the bully on the playground, the evil empire, the king of the hill. It's the Southeastern Conference. I've never been so excited to talk about a conference in my entire life. Well, here we are talking about the SEC with my favorite team, Alabama. Is that Jalen Hurts jersey you got on over there? It's no, it's actually uh, Jerry Judy. Oh, the four because it it the four it looked like a little cutoff, right? Uh huh. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and just jump in. Uh, Here's here's what I want to start with though before we go into the East. All right. We always knew that the SEC was cream of the crop, right? Top of the tower. But now you have the other Power Five conferences making an alliance (laughs) against the SEC. This blew my mind, right? And I think it wouldn't be an SEC preview without talking about what the hell is happening in college football. Because, and this is me coming from the Big Ten, I'm loving the idea of this alliance, but this is wild, I mean, there. You know, I've I, I've said this arms. I've used this term arms race before, but it's 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 becoming even bigger than I thought it would. I think that it's so crazy that the alliances, the power conferences. The best thing about it is, I kind of like what the other conferences did, and they're saying we're going to protect each other. We're going right. to make sure that we stand up for each other because you know, and I know that at the end of the day the SEC is going to take over. At least they're going to try their best to take over. And I don't want one giant super conference. Yeah, and I can't argue with that. I mean, if you just look at the numbers and when they were able to get ESPN, it was it was such a big step for the SEC. Now you're getting yeah. Oklahoma and you're getting Texas. And you're, you're getting – it's not going to be the super conference, but it will be a super conference um, w- with this new SEC structure, whatever it turns out to be. But – now we have this alliance, which, by the way, is not even a contractual obligation for these conferences. It, it is literally just them being in the Big Brother house or on the Survivor Island, cuddling together in a corner and creating an alliance to try and just compete with the SEC, which has become the media giant that it is. No, I, I totally agree here. I think that, like you said, it, it's funny because they're trying so hard to band together to make sure that the right. SEC doesn't take over. You're right. So I don't know. We'll see what comes of that. I mean, it's just the beginning. We're still years away from any of that having an actual impact. Yeah, but it's absolutely. just the first of many steps of, as I said, just this becoming so much bigger than I even originally thought it was going to be. I, I can't wait to see what crazy direction it takes next. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about 2021, the SEC. Let's get into the East, or as I like to call it these days, uh, Georgia and Florida. <laughs> what are we thinking about the SEC East this year? It's definitely Georgia and Florida and there's no part of me that really wants to put expectations on Florida to win it all. So I'll start with Georgia. If we look about a month ago, Georgia's odds were plus 250 to win the East. They've dwindled down to plus 180. There was a time a few months ago when you can get Georgia to win the uh, to win the entire SEC at plus 500. Now, do I think they're going to win the entire SEC? I don't know. But the addition of JT Daniels has been marvelous. With the addition of JT Daniels, with him on the field, they average 8.3 more points per game. His wide receiver, his star wide receiver, George Pickens, is hurt, but I think that JT Daniels is good enough 
to to make this team get over that hump. One thing that this team kind of always struggled with was the ability to score points, right? You and I both know that they didn't score points at a high enough clip to kind of back up that elite defense, whether they were run heavy with uh, Todd Gurley and Sonny Michelle, or they tried it out last year with, I can't even remember the quarterback's name. It didn't work. So with a good defense, number two in the SEC, actually, with a good defense and and can we say this, an elite quarterback in JT Daniels, it gives them a real chance, and I think there's no one in the East that can touch them. Here's the thing. I think elite is a fair assessment, and this is a guy that you and I have been keeping a close eye on since he transferred to Georgia. Now, for those who have been living under a rock or have not been following our offseason previews, JT Daniels has been a huge subject, not just for us, but for the national media. He's one of the most important players going into the 2021 college football season, and the odds makers out in Vegas agree with that sentiment. He is currently second behind Spencer Rattler in Heisman odds at plus 600, which I was a little surprised by, Brad. But listen, I honestly think it's just backing up what we already know about the potential of what JT Daniels can do because we saw what happened. I'll give Kirby Smart his credit because okay. he takes a lot of hits for some of the coaching moves that he's done in the past, Justin Fields, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to say about that. But he waited for the right time to bring in JT Daniels. He was recovering from an injury. Yes. He was transferring into the program. I really do think that he perfectly timed JT Daniels uh, incorporating himself into this offense. And now that he's got an entire offseason under his belt, this is a guy that could change the college football race. And coincidentally enough, like we're going to get an answer in week one on how good he's really going to be. Because yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Well, that, that game versus Clemson is probably one of the m- more games I'm excited about because we know how elite that Georgia de- uh, that Georgia defense is. And how will that defense fare against DJ uh, Umugalele? Uh, I'll just call him DJ for now. Um, for me, let's I just agree, can't. Let's, let's just agree for the entire season. We'll just call him – we'll just go by DJ. I, yeah, let's we'll agree for that. I, can't, I, I just can't back Georgia to win the, win the East. I mean, win the, the SEC because the price dropped. But tell me what you think about Florida. Yeah, so Florida. Let's say I, you know, I I am not as down on Florida as I was in the offseason. And the reason I say that is because now that I'm kind of thinking about it a little bit, even though they've lost so much firepower on the offensive side, and I've been really hard on Dan Mullen, that offense found that much success because of Dan Mullen and because of the way that he incorporated those stars on that offense. So I'm kind of in a situation where I believe in what he's doing. But here's the thing, and you and I have said this before, Emory Jones is a completely different quarterback than Kyle Trask. Yeah. Dan Mullen has had quarterbacks like him before at Mississippi State. So he has experience running an offense with a running quarterback. But for me, the problem with Florida is the defense. Their their numbers from 2019 to 2020 uh, are staggering. I mean, it, we went from it, giving up like, two totally different teams. Yeah, it was like 18 points a game in 19 to like 30 points a game uh, somewhere in that range in 2020, which is that's the bigger concern for me because Florida's identity has been the defensive side of the ball. And Dan Mullen, you improve the offense without losing what, you know, what made the Florida program successful in years past. Yeah, no, see, my thing on Florida is what do we get out of Emory Jones? The problem that I have with Florida is that crossover schedule with Bama and then at LSU. You said it. I'm going to agree. What happened in that one year 
where the defense went from allowing 19 points per game to 30 points per game. The reason they were so successful last year was because of Trask, Tony, Pitts. Now they have neither neither of those guys and a quarterback who, in my eyes, hasn't shown that he has the ability to kind of drive the ball down the field. I don't know if if they win the East – if they'll beat someone from the West, because I think it's one of those things where they're going to be lucky to win nine games. If they win, if they hit the nine game mark, now, now you got to go against the West where we'll talk about it, but I think the West is, is, is hands or foot deeper than the East. Yeah. I, and honestly, are we surprised? I mean, it, it's, it seems to be that way year in and year out, but at least the yeah. East you know, has these two programs at the top where, they're playing every year, and they're kind of trading blows. Florida finally got to Georgia last year. It's coming down to that Florida-Georgia game on Saturday, October 30th, as it usually does in the East. But you mentioned the crossover schedule. Florida draws Alabama at home. They play LSU every year. This is the weird thing with SEC schedule. Yeah, you know? the rivalries. <laughs> the, the rivalries, whereas you have Bama playing Tennessee every yes. year. Because every it's the, year. what is it, the third? Is it the third or second? Uh, uh, Saturday in October. I don't know, yeah. but that's ridiculous. And, and then you got Florida who's playing LSU every single year and they draw Alabama this year. Uh, Georgia does go at Auburn, but I will, you know, we'll talk. We'll about get to Auburn, but, but I think we, we're kind of in agreement there. All right. So Missouri, do they have a chance? I think Missouri does not have a chance. They lack the offensive play, the playmakers to make a difference and their defense is not good. Uh, if you look at the traditional teams who kind of, create that spark and they compete in their championship games like a Northwestern. They have elite stout defense. Well, not Missouri. This is a team that allowed 32 points per game last year. And they allowed a lot of really big explosive plays. Five and five last season for me, for them is a win, especially when one of those losses came at the hands of Alabama. Well, and it was Drinkwitz's first season in. Yep. You're telling me coming off a COVID shortened season, you find a way to go five and five in the SEC. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, now, I think this is I think this is going to be a, a solid bowl team. Like yeah. they're going to compete for a good bowl. Yeah. So you know, I, I think I think Missouri and Kentucky are really the only two other quote unquote players or bowl teams in yeah. this division. Um, you know, objective bowl teams. But you know, I see. Six or seven wins for Missouri, and I see the same thing out of Kentucky. I mean, Mark Stoops is still there. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky. But, you know, uh, in the cellar right now, I mean, you got Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt sitting with plus 10,000 odds, and they're in the East. We're not even talking about the West, Brett. <laughs> 10,000 odds in the East. That is absolutely brutal. Tennessee with our old friend, Josh Heupel. No idea what's going to happen there, but. We don't even know who's going to start quarterback. He's, he's keeping it close to his vest. We're literally one week away, and he still hasn't announced. I think it's going to be Joe Milton. How do you not start her, uh, Hendon Hooker? Like, yeah. come on. All right. Anything else with the East before we move on? Uh, no, nothing else with the East. We can definitely go to the West because I'm so stoked to talk about the West. All right, Brad. Take it away. Who's the favorite <sighs> over in the West? My favorite to win the West and to win the SEC championship is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Surprise, surprise. Why? Let me tell you why. Yes. Number one scoring offense. Yes. Number one scoring defense. Yes. Number two total offense. Yes. Number three total defense. And this is a team that must replace a lot. We lost a lot in the draft. We lost our star running back. We lost our receiving core. We lost our star star quarterback. We lost our tight ends. 
fountain of youth, it just comes back at Alabama. We get key, very, 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 very key transfers. You might know one very well, Jamison Jamison Williams. Very talented. Very talented. And the difference between him at Ohio State and the difference between him at Alabama is he's going to be buried in the depth chart at Ohio State, but at Alabama, he's going to be a starter. I think that people forget about what happened, what was that, two years ago, when us Alabama fans were in agony because all of our star players on defense went down. And we were starting guys like, remember this name, Will Anderson, as a true freshman. Those guys are now juniors who have championship experience. I think this will be one of our most elite defenses that we've had in a long time. And it starts at the linebacking position. Alabama has had slow linebackers, injury-prone linebackers for the past three years. Now we get uh, Tennessee transfer over in Henry Totu. We have Will Anderson playing great. It's exciting time for Alabama, and if you want to talk about the schedule, I think we got kind of lucky. Uh, I mean, the travel to UF, okay, fine, but it's not traveling to Florida last year. We do have to go to Texas A&M, but I still think even if we lose one game, we will win the division. Yeah, I I agree on that. You know, those those games that I circled were those two you mentioned at Florida, at Texas A&M. You always have to circle Auburn. That's an away game, but we don't re- we don't really know what they're going to be this year. Alabama's defense. You said it. When I started doing my digging on Alabama, that's what scared me the most. Because everyone wants to talk about what they lost on the offensive side of the ball. They got eight returning starters on the sixth-ranked defense in the country from last year. And if Alabama has an elite defense, all they need is a few pieces to fall into place on the offensive side of the ball. And we got Bryce Young. He is third behind Rattler and Daniels to win the Heisman at plus 900. For very good reason. This is a very talented quarterback. Tell me about Bryce Young. Bryce Young. People, I've heard people say it, even this guy, the Todd father even said it, that (laughs) I don't think Bryce Young is the answer. He's too short. Bryce Young has a cannon. For a guy who might not even be six foot tall, he's an elite playmaker. One thing that we saw from Alabama A-Day when he threw for almost 300 or if 300 yards, he did this all without one of his strongest weapons, his ability to make plays with his feet. Let's not forget, this is the guy who threw four touchdowns in the championship game. Let's not forget, this is the guy who threw four touchdowns in the All-American game. This kid's a gamer. And, you know, I'm really excited for him because if he struggles or if the stage is really big for him, he has a loaded backfield with Brian Robinson, finally a healthy Trey Sanders. I think also John Mechie is being severely overlooked. On Very. The Very. I think he's a star in the making. And, and and we've seen what Alabama receivers are doing, but now it's his show. Yep. So I think he's one that you're going to have to keep an eye on that's really going to step up. His 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 downfield ability is just sick. So, you know, it's it's kind of a situation at Ohio State, right? Where it's like C.J. Stroud is, is, is the new quarterback stepping in, but he's got talent all around yeah. him. These young quarterbacks just have to know – you know, it's it, it's no different than uh, our boy DJ for Clemson last yep. year fill, filling in for Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, versus that game at Notre Dame. He comes out and has, you know, almost 500 total yards because he just comes in and uses the talent around him. Yep. With I totally agree. In, in these young quarterbacks, that's something to look out for because that's, that's going to be the difference between, you know, who is going to have the most successful offense and, you know, who is going to be, re- you know, relying on others. 
Uh, but another thing with Alabama, because we're talking about the offense. Yes. There's something to be said for a new play caller. But here's the thing. It's something that Saban has dealt with every single year. Every, every year. Every year we make a big deal about it. All right? This is a – what did you say? It's like a coach rehabil- uh, rehabilitation center. Yeah. Really, that's what it is. They come in under Nick Saban's tutelage, and then they go out and have successful careers, even if they have a checkered past. It's, yes. It's really unreal because not only – not only – is Nick Saban, you know, does he have an NFL factory? But he's got a coaching factory that he's got now. And that's that's even, to me, in a way, it's even more impressive than just the players. But Bill O'Brien, we've seen him before. Huge success at Penn State a couple of years, and then he gets the job with the Texans. What is Bill O'Brien going to bring to the offense? Because let's face it, that offense that Steve Sarkeesian had may have been the greatest offense in the history of college football, and that is not an exaggeration. And you can argue with it. It may be the greatest offense we've ever seen. When when I was watching the 8A game, you know me, I love dissecting offenses. It's probably one of my favorite things to do in in college football is seeing offensive gameplay and and how it it pans out. This is going to kind of bring it back a little bit more to, you know, we were doing a lot of schemes. This is going to be a lot of play design in terms of getting the ball out early to your tight ends. One thing that Bill O'Brien has had to do a lot at with a terrible, terrible, terrible offensive line with the Texans. Now he has a good offensive line, but he has a young quarterback. You know, it's kind of a good thing. I think that it's also works out too that Bill Bryant doesn't have to to prove himself. Imagine we get some some hot shot young guy coming and he wants to prove himself. O'Brien was a okay NFL coach. Now he can just sit back, calls plays. It will never be the level of Sarkeesian. If he tries to be that right. level, exactly, that's where the trouble is going to happen. Yeah, he just has to stay in his lane, and he's kind of yep. he's got to find his own style. I mean, everyone had it. Uh, Sark had his own style. Kiffin had his own style. That's what you got to do. You've got the talent, uh, and it, it you know it doesn't hurt to have Nick Saban. All right, yep. so who's going to challenge Alabama in the West? Pretty safe to say that Texas A and M is probably the biggest challenger in the West. Texas A and M is the biggest challenger in the West. I. I hate to say this, but I did not watch enough tape on Haynes King. Same. Um, I, I didn't know if he was going to be the starter, but what's great here is they have a semi-decent schedule. Um, if you look at the, the crossover games, the, the tough games are, are the road games for sure in, in the West where they have to play at Ole Miss and at LSU. But they get probably the hardest game on their schedule at home. This number one total defense team has a lot to rely on. But at the same time, they have a lot of issues that they must replace on the D-line. The D-line is, I think it was like 10th in the nation. Well, now everyone's gone. What do you do there? But like me and you say this all the time, these teams just replace those guys. So I'm not too worried. I don't think it's going to be, because they weren't as elite as that Clemson team, that Clemson National Championship team, where you saw the obvious drop-off because those were all first-round guys. They're good, and I think that it's just going to keep cycling. But honestly, I think that LSU stands a good chance to to kind of upset Alabama here. Um, you know, LSU had that kind of like what Alabama had when all the players left and started getting injured, opting out, where what do you think is going to happen if your entire team goes to the NFL? They're going to be bad. Well, and we can't forget about LSU. And 
a lot of people are not because they're they're being ranked very highly. I think number sixteen somewhere in there yes. in the in, in in the first eight people. We can't forget that LSU won a national championship, yeah, you know, two years ago. So LSU is is a wild card. I think it's safe to say because this is a this is a defense that allowed seven point three yards per play last year. Yes, point three. You're not going to win any games in the SEC when you're giving up seven yards. I just you want to talk about what happened? You know, we were talking about Florida's defense. And what happened to LSU from 2019 to 2020? Yes, they lost all that talent to the NFL, but we're talking about a huge step back from Edward. Yeah. What, what I think is interesting about LSU too is, you know, I was ready to hype up Derek Stingley uh, and the entire um, cornerback room, how, how elite they are, right? But they are second to last in pasty in the SEC. Also, poor Stingley. I have to take this slow for a second, but Devonta Smith put him in a freaking wheelbarrow and rolled him around the field wherever he wanted to go, collecting touchdowns in yards. But I think that when you have a, an experienced offensive line, now you have young corners who are now ready to take that next step to the NFL. I think that's where the defense really starts to become elite. Like you have those guys who know it's put up or shut up. I'm playing for my draft stock now. And that's why I kind of like them sitting at plus 1200 because I think whoever wins the West wins the SEC. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with that. Uh, we've got LSU plus 1,200, Texas A&M at plus 900. Um, you know, another thing with LSU, it was a Max Johnson versus Miles Brennan, you know, quarterback battle, and it was yeah. decided for them with, with Brennan uh, breaking his arm. So LSU, as I was saying, Max Johnson, Miles Brennan quarterback controversy, but it's been decided for them. So Max Johnson is now the guy. Are you back, Brad? Nope. I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay, so I was just talking about Max Johnson, how he's going to have nobody breathing down his back now. So he is the guy. This is his team. Uh, And then going over to Texas A&M for a minute, because I'm a huge fan of uh, Isaiah Spiller, and I have been for a while. I've been really high on him, been talking about him a lot, because I like his yards, or what I like to call his yards per touch. He is such a dynamic playmaker for this Texas A&M offense. But here's the thing. You had Kellen Mond start for four years, and I just – Correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel like the offense never took that step forward, that extra gear that Texas A&M needed. I just feel like mom was not able to do that. Yes, they won nine games last year. I, so obviously a very successful team. Jimbo is building that kind of program. But what are you going to do against Alabama when you have them at home? This is all about finding a way to win the big game. In college football, you can go 9-1 and one every single year. But if you are consistently losing the game that you need to win, then there's nowhere for your program to go. That's where Jimbo Fisher stands right now with this Texas A&M team. And we were talking about LSU. LSU's got their national title. LSU is coming off a national title in 2019, and they're just trying to find that success again. But A&M is a team that is consistently losing. And listen, they're not the only team that's losing to Alabama every year, all right? There's a reason that Alabama won the national title in 2020 because their program is at that kind of level. But AM got to find a way to take that next step forward. They have a great defense, a loaded backfield. It really depends on this Haynes King kid. Can he be the real deal? Yes. Miles. That next step. I think we are in agreement here that Mon kind of held them back. With an explosive player like Spiller, you have to kind of use him like C.J. Spiller, where he's involved in everything, every aspect of your offense. Right, yeah. I need, 
Sorry, so you you just reminded me. So so that's what I was trying to get at with Isaiah Spiller is that you can just use him in so many different ways, and he's yeah. so dangerous out of the backfield. He's so dangerous in the passing game. Uh, it's a loaded backfield. So this AM team, the, the expectations are now sky high. The expectations are now starting to match what the recruiting classes have been looking like ever since Jimbo stepped yes. on campus. Uh, and they get Alabama at home. So there's, there's just going to be uh, a lot of expectations for that game. Let's talk about Ole Miss. <laughs> Let's talk about Lane Kiffin. All right, Ole Miss is sitting with plus 3,000 odds to win the SEC. Uh, I think it's a little high. Uh, listen, I think they're going to have one of the best offenses in the league. But are they going to be able to make a stop? That's the question. I was so ready to just fire away and, and throw money on Ole Miss to, to win the SEC. Like, I, I think I bought into the hype train. Like, I was like, Ole Miss is going to win the SEC because everyone's talking about it. They probably have one of the best quarterbacks in Corral in, in the SEC. But yeah. honestly, let's be for real. If you can't stop, guys, what I mean can't stop, they finished dead last in pass defense, dead last in total defense, dead last in, in – uh, and, and scoring defense, you do not win championships that way. No. And I don't know, when have we seen an Ole Miss team that has been the elite defense? I, it's been a long time. I don't know if we, we've seen it in our lifetime. You don't just take that next step overnight. What they will have to do for them to actually have a chance to win the SEC as much like LSU, limit your offensive possessions or outscore. Those were two things that LSU team did. And if they, if it was like a game like against Florida, they limited Florida's offensive possessions. If it was a game like Alabama, they just outscored them. And if you're Ole Miss, you can score with anybody. And there is a lot to be said for that in today's, you know, college football landscape. Uh, it, it, it comes back to a Nick Saban quote where, you know, the game is changing. A great defense is not going to get you there anymore, but you need at least an average defense. And also just to talk about, the offensive side of the ball for Ole Miss a little bit because the hype train is so real and it's warranted. I get it. But you're still looking at a team that turned the ball over 18 times and you're looking at an offense that finished 11th in the SEC in red zone offense. Yeah, They make big plays. Matt Corral, very talented. Uh, what was he? He ranked third in QBR in the entire nation. Very quietly under the radar. Ole Miss gave Alabama a hell of a game last year. But I just don't see it. I don't see it either. And one of the problems that we had was covering Elijah Moore. He's gone. He's gone. So, okay. Entertain me. Does Auburn stand a chance? (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. (laughs) I'll try to say it with a straight face. Yeah, go ahead. Does Auburn stand a chance to win the West? I just think it's too tall of an order. Uh, even if it's a coach that I like in Brian Harson, who, you know, was yes. running, who was picking up a really good program in Boise State and continued the success of Chris Peterson, which I was really impressed by. Um, so I think it was a pretty good hire, but I still don't agree with them firing Gus Malzahn because when you're Auburn, I, uh, and we've said this before, I think you should be happy to win eight or nine games a year. I'm sorry, but the, their expectation is national championship. I think this is going to be a process. In a, yeah. Especially when you're grabbing a coach coming from the West Coast, uh, coming from Boise State, coming, it, it's a completely different philosophy on the offensive side of the ball. And then you still got Bo Nix, a quarterback. Yeah, Bo Nix, a quarterback. What's so, what's wild is I was like, oh, there's a QB competition. TJ Finley's going to win it for sure. Yeah, then I saw yeah. Brian Harson come out and say that he's starting with Bo Nix. So I'm guaranteeing they're going to start one and two. 
you don't rebound from a one and two start. I don't think not in the SEC. Not when you have games like at Texas A&M, at LSU. Then you have to invite Alabama to to your team. If Alabama has a struggle season, you know they're going to bounce back at the end of the year. Or if Alabama is really going to be as good as everyone believes, how are you going to start a Bo Nix against an Alabama? And poor Auburn has had to play Georgia and Alabama every single year because their crossover rivalry is with Georgia. So they're playing, you know, the two best teams in the SEC every single year. So to answer your question, no. Uh, There's (laughs) two with plus 4,000 odds. I think it's too high. Um, All new receivers, I just don't see it. But I, I can see seven wins. Seven wins. That's fair. Maybe. I think I think I saw someone take the over in their win total, and I, I wanted to like tweet them and be like, listen, guy, what are you doing? Yeah, no thanks. Uh, and then we got Mississippi State at plus 8,000. I don't know nope. if the air raid is going to make it in, in the SEC. Mike Leach is going to do his darndest to make it happen. Uh, and then we have Arkansas uh, in the cellar. Okay. Who is meeting in Atlanta in December in the SEC championship game? I'm going Alabama, Georgia. If JT Daniels is not injured at any point in the season, there's no way Georgia does not make it. I got Bam in Georgia as well. It's hard not to pick that game. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems to be the consensus pick, and for good reason. We're talking about possibly two playoff teams. It really depends on what happens in this Georgia Clemson game, which I cannot wait to talk about next week. Let's go. Yes. Um, what a game. It's going to be so season. exciting. God, we're going to talk about that game for 30 minutes just by itself. But um, SEC Championship, I got Bama in Georgia. And until I can be proven otherwise, I, I, I have to pick Alabama. I think that Georgia has the chance to have the better quarterback in that game. And I say that because we haven't seen Bryce Young. So we don't yeah. know exactly what we're getting. With JT Daniels, I have a little bit of a sample size. And in his sample size, he would have had the fourth highest QBR in the entire country uh, had it yeah. been for an entire year. So if Georgia goes into that game and JT Daniels proves to be the better quarterback, I think it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be tough for uh, Bama to beat that just because I put so much stock on the better quarterback, especially in a big game. But as of right now, I'm not picking against Alabama. Now, as far as the playoff, we'll get into that next week because I think <laughs> there is, there is a high probability that you've got to put both of these teams in the playoff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm doing that yet, sitting down and looking at it. Uh, again, it really all comes down to that Georgia Clemson game, but this Georgia team, all right, they've always had the defense, but they might have the quarterback to get into that next level. And let's not forget that they were that close to a national championship. I mean, yeah. that they, they were a Tua Tagovailoa 30-yard pass away from a national championship, and it was yeah. against Alabama. Kirby Smart has proven, Brad, that he can compete with Nick Saban. He just can't beat him. Yeah, that's the tough part. Got to prove that you can beat him. And we are still waiting for the first former Alabama assistant to beat Nick Saban. Is it going to happen? <laughs> so when you've got all of these guys, you know, uh, anybody who wants to pick Georgia to win the SEC, I'm, I'm not going to go against you, especially if you want to put a bet down on them. I mean, it's not great value. What was it, like plus yeah. 160? But you're still getting plus odds on a team that very well could win the SEC. Whereas a lot of the times in these other conferences, when we're talking about like a Clemson where no one's beating them, you know, Ohio state has, you know, guys who, who's going to beat them, but here Georgia can legitimately beat Alabama. There's a reason that their odds are sitting where they are. What I would say is if you guys are, you know, uh, value hunters like myself, you wait till after that first game and you pray that Georgia loses to Clemson. The value in the SEC championship is going to spike a lot for Georgia and you take it then. If not, 
I just can't advise someone who's losing 90 cents of value. So I'm going to not bet this. I'm not going to pick anybody. But, man, I do think it's going to be Alabama versus Georgia. Yeah, and if Georgia loses that first game to Clemson, they have a, um, may, uh, a manageable enough schedule where they can yeah. win out uh, and, and, and still get Bama uh, and still get a shot at the playoff. But we'll see what happens there. We're so close. And there you have it. Bama the well, winner. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you look below, you can follow Miles on Twitter at Miles on Sports, Brad Thomas at Mr. Brad Thomas, and what's the spread at what's the spread underscore. Both of us will be putting our articles and our picks on Twitter for you guys to follow. Make sure you hit that like, rate, subscribe, and comment button, guys. Take care.